0: good morning morning. my name is Courtney for those of you who don't know me Um, I have been a member here at Faith Covenant for a little over three years along with my family my husband Zach and our three little boys I studied Bible and theology at Wheaton and then I went on to do a master in theology at um, Biola University (laughs) so Pastor Nate spent the week at a conference and graciously invited me to fill in for him this morning, and I'm very excited to talk about this portion of the Lord's Prayer with you all. We are continuing our sermon series on ancient paths, studying the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. If you're just joining us, Pastor Nate spent the past couple of weeks talking to us about the first section of the Lord's Prayer which is focused on God, God's will, and God's kingdom. Today, we are going to dig into the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which is give us this day our daily bread. With this petition, the focus of the prayer shifts to us as God's people. As Pastor Nate pointed out, this is similar to the shift that we saw in the Ten Commandments, where in all things, God comes first. God takes priority. He is first and foremost. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to move from addressing God with thy name, thy kingdom, and thy will, into bold requests on our own behalf. I love the way that Karl Barth expresses this transition. He says, here we are, engrossed in thy cause, kindled by the ardent desire to see thy name hallowed. We have no other task. This is our care. It is not a question of being able to help ourselves. Therefore, to thee, we hand over our existence, to thee who has invited and commanded us to pray, to live for thy cause. Here we are. It is now up to thee to concern thyself with our human cause as God's people who have dedicated ourselves to his kingdom, we can approach him with our own requests. And the first part of our human cause for which we beseech God is to give us our daily bread. J.I. Packer states that those who truly pray the first three petitions thereby commit themselves to live wholly for God. And the natural and logical next request is for food to give them the energy to do this. Before we follow that train of thought further, I'd like to start by highlighting three key words to identify at a very broad level what this petition means. What are we actually asking for when we ask God to give us our daily bread? For those who are very familiar with the Lord's Prayer, these might be words we say without thinking a whole lot about them, about what they mean. They just kind of roll off the tongue. Give us this day our daily bread. Or for those who are less familiar, you might hear these words and think it's kind of a strange phrase. Even most people who have spent their entire lives in the church don't walk around talking about their daily bread very often outside the context of the Lord's Prayer. So the first thing that I want to look at as we break this down is the fact that we are continuing to use collective language in this petition. Just as the prayer opens with our, Father, we continue. It's not give me my daily bread, but give us ours. This is a prayer that is and continues to be prayed in community, which has implications for us that we are going to come back to later. Second, we have this word that is translated into English as daily, give us this day our daily bread. In the original Greek text, this is a very unique word. We don't see it very often at all. And because of this, there are some slightly different opinions about the exact meaning of this word and its pairing with bread. But the general understanding, the general consensus, is that it's basically a request for what is necessary or essential to our existence. And third, we are asking God for our daily bread. This, by contrast, is a pretty common word. We see it frequently. And at its most basic level, it means literal, physical bread, the staple of the human diet throughout much of history. It can also be expanded to mean food in general. And beyond that, to refer to all that is needed for our physical survival. But we've also seen how Jesus, in his teaching, uses bread as a metaphor to talk about something deeper. So we're going to take some time to look at each of these significations for bread in a moment. But first, let's put it all together. Just very simply, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are essentially asking God to provide what we need to exist or survive a given day, which can be interpreted both physically and spiritually. So let's consider some of the implications of this prayer. First, we are asking God to meet our literal, physical need for food. On the surface, that is fairly simple. We are human creatures who need food to survive, and so we ask God to provide this for us, as a child might ask a parent. Of course, God as our maker knows that we need to eat So do we really need to ask him for food? In C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew, which is the creation story in his Chronicles of Narnia, he includes a chapter in which two children named Polly and Diggory are sent on a mission by Aslan, along with a talking horse. When evening comes and they're all hungry, the horse has plenty of grass to eat. But the children realize that they have got nothing for dinner. In the conversation that follows, Diggory says, well, I do think someone might have arranged about our meals. Well, I'm sure Aslan would have if you'd asked him, said Fledge. Wouldn't he know without being asked, said Polly? I've no doubt he would, said the horse. But I have a sort of idea he likes to be asked. If I can squeeze Narnia into any talking conversation, I will. Uh, So the fact that God knows and cares about our basic needs is reiterated in Jesus' words before and after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then at the end of the chapter, Matthew 6, he gives us these gentle, encouraging words. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This passage at the end of Matthew 6 follows the pattern that Jesus sets out in the Lord's prayer itself. The kingdom comes first, and it is within that context that we ask God to feed us. So far, we have talked about food in terms of basic human need for calories. But talking about food in a broken world raises some challenging issues for us. Food is everywhere in our culture. It seems that everywhere we turn, we encounter different opinions about what we should or should not eat, how much or how little we should consume, and when we should or should not eat. And then we can consider the social aspect of food. When we're happy or we have something to celebrate, we eat. When we want to spend time with people, we gather for a meal. When we're sad, we might seek out comfort foods. When we want to change our appearance or our health, we might try to change what we eat and how we eat. When someone we know is sick or hurting, we might bring them a meal. Or there could be other situations where pain and sadness lead to a loss of appetite. When properly contextualized in relationship to God and God's kingdom, we know that there is a time for everything And as physical creatures who require food for survival, it's not surprising that food shows up in such varied ways in our lives and experiences. But we have an enemy who likes to take the good gifts of God and twist them until they are almost unrecognizable. So instead of something to be enjoyed with Thanksgiving, food is, for many people, a source of pain or guilt, or shame, or self-punishment, or of disordered pleasure. Food is often deeply connected with how we see our own worth in a culture that is obsessed with body image. It is also deeply connected with how we respond to emotions and life situations. And no matter what, no matter your emotional response to food, what we eat directly affects our mental and physical health. Some of us might struggle with excessive restriction, not wanting to allow our bodies the nutrition that we need for a full and joyful life. For others, food can become associated with addictive behaviors and binge eating, or using food to fill an emotional and spiritual void. If food is a source of pain for you, please hear the gentle voice of your savior. When he calls for you to pray for your daily bread, he made your body. He loves you dearly and he wants to meet your needs. Physical food cannot fill a spiritual void. Without Jesus, who is the bread of life, you will always be wanting something more. But physical food is a good gift from a creator who knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on your head and he cares even about this. Satan has worked hard and effectively in our culture to undermine the contented acceptance of our bodies and the food that we eat in the context of God's creative lordship. But J.I. Packer believes that this petition of the Lord's Prayer shows us how to regard our bodies. The Christian way, he says, is not to deify them, making health and beauty ends in themselves, nor is it to despise them. It is rather to accept one's body as part of God's good creation, to act as its steward and manager and gratefully to enjoy it as one does so. Thus, we honor its maker." The image here is not of excessive consumption or excessive restriction, but it's a grateful and contented submission to God. So I want to conclude this point by praying over you that if you feel in any way enslaved or powerless in your relationship to food, that you may be reminded today that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I pray for you the wisdom to discern the lies of the devil for what they are and to seek out support if you need it. So, first, we considered the literal physical need for food and some of its implications in our culture. Second, When we pray for daily bread, we are asking God to provide all that we need for physical life as individuals and in community. So another major issue raised by this petition is the fact that there are so many people in the world who go without bread every day. Remember that we are asking God as a collective people to feed us. We cannot genuinely, deeply pray this prayer without being immediately confronted by the reality that we live in a broken world where not everyone has their basic needs met. There is so much that we could talk about here, especially when we consider daily bread in the broader sense of all that we need for life. Martin Luther says that when you mention and pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. On the other hand, you also pray against everything that interferes with it. He extends this to virtually every area of life, including not only food, but the farmers, the land, and even the weather conditions required to grow it, employment such that we can buy it, And then he also talks about peace, safety, clothing, shelter, government, family, friends, good neighbors. This expansive understanding highlights the complexity of our human needs and underscores the reality of living without them. To give just one example of this, I would like to look at food insecurity in DuPage County where our church is located. The USDA defines food insecurity as having limited or uncertain availability of nutritionally adequate foods. The most recent data available from the Northern Illinois Food Bank states that as of the fiscal year ending in June 2022, DuPage County has a 9.2% overall food insecurity rate. That amounts to roughly 85,200 people in our local community who are dealing with food insecurity. And that's to say nothing of the inequitable distribution of food and wealth on the global and national levels. Adam Hamilton suggests that the primary way through which God answers the prayer for daily bread in our culture is through other people. Just as we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is done in heaven, so we commit ourselves to being part of the coming of his kingdom, which is something that Pastor Nate kind of talked about last week. In his book on evangelical theology, Dr. Daniel Trier said that those who have been blessed with abundance get to participate in God's answers to these prayers. Trier says, perhaps God intends to answer prayers for starving people by having us give them bread. Karl Barth sums this up very beautifully. He prays, grant that all who have a surplus of this bread may know by this very fact that they are appointed as servants, as dispensers of thy grace, that they are in thy service and in the service of others. And grant that those who are particularly threatened by hunger, death, and the precariousness of the human condition may meet brothers and sisters who have open eyes and ears and feel their responsibility. Amen. Whether you individually have much or you have little, you are invited to participate in this prayer for daily bread. Jesus assures us that we don't need to worry about our material needs, because our creator does. Asking God to meet these needs demonstrates our dependence upon and submission to God, recognizing that it is not we who meet our own needs, through our own efforts, or cunning, or even our good planning. Dan Trier suggests that this prayer for daily bread addresses a specific example of the fullness of God's kingdom, that all will have their needs met. But he also raises an eye-opening point when he says that our freedom from worry does not lie in having barns or savings accounts, the modern equivalent, so full that our needs could be met without working another day. Instead, people should pray for enough that they are not tempted to steal, but not so much that they forget their constant dependence on God. In this, Trier echoes Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, which says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Notice how the, NI, the NIV translators even use the phrase daily bread here. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. While our culture tends to see material abundance as a sign of God's blessing, and we often strive accordingly, the Lord's prayer would have us ask only for what we really need. We have a wonderful illustration of what this looked like in Israel's history when we consider the time in the wilderness. After the exodus from Egypt, God's people spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. At first, some of them looked around and assumed that they would end up starving in the desert because of the lack of evident resources. However, God miraculously provided a bread-like substance that they called manna to sustain them. When God gave them instructions for gathering the manna each morning, he was very clear that they were only to gather what they needed for their household for the day. Any excess that was left over would rot other, overnight. It said that it would start breeding worms and it would stink. So you didn't want extra in your tent. That would be terrible. The only exception that allowed them to gather extra was a provision for the Sabbath day. On the sixth day, they were instructed to gather twice as much manna as they did on a normal day so that on the Sabbath, they could rest. Only on this day of the week would the manna last through the night. Otherwise, any accumulation beyond the daily need was in vain. The petition for daily bread in the Lord's Prayer recalls this wilderness existence of dependence upon God's provision for each day. I'd like to wrap up this discussion of daily bread in terms of physical needs by acknowledging that it's a hard reality, that this prayer is not always answered in the way that we hope it might be. While God's love and care and wisdom and power are guaranteed, We have no guarantee of life or bread for tomorrow. We sometimes forget how tenuous our circumstances are. And so Packer says that we must, as we pray, be prepared to have God show us, by his providential response of not giving what we sought, that we did not really need it after all. That's not exactly easy to hear. Nevertheless, as Jesus' disciples, we are invited to pray for our physical needs, for our needs as distinguished from our desires, and for those things that are essential as distinguished from luxury or excess, so that we can live faithfully in God's kingdom. So give us this day our daily bread, encompasses literal bread as well as a broader consideration of our needs as embodied creatures who live in community. But the third and the most important thing to consider is that we are praying for Jesus himself to fill the needs of our souls. During his ministry on Earth, Jesus demonstrated his care for people's physical bodies. He healed diseases, and he fed crowds of people. But the gospel of the kingdom never stopped there. Jesus is concerned with our bodies. But even more so, he's concerned with eternity, with the forgiveness of sins, and with our very souls. And he often uses bread as a metaphor in his teaching to talk about these deeper realities. At this point, I think it's helpful to look briefly at a few key exchanges in Jesus's ministry when he uses bread to talk about something more. After Jesus' baptism, he went into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. Without digging into the physiological effects of a 40-day fast, we can imagine that bread might have (coughs) sounded pretty good to him at this point. The devil approaches Jesus in this state and tempts him to use his power, to transform stones into bread. And even after this extreme amount of time without food, Jesus does not miraculously immediately provide himself with a meal. Instead, he affirms that people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This doesn't mean that we don't need food, of course, but food alone will never fulfill our needs. Whether we acknowledge it or not, our need for God is just as real as our need for nourishment from food. It is God who sustains our existence. In him we live and move and have our being. Then on another occasion, Jesus confuses his disciples a little bit by telling them that he has food to eat that they're not aware of. When the disciples misunderstand him, Jesus tells them that his food is to do the will of his father. So in some way, Jesus was nourished by aligning himself with the will of God. We can learn from Jesus' example. Not only do we need the sustaining power of God, but our spiritual needs are met when we do God's will. Here on earth as it is done in heaven. When we are aligned with God's will, we are more authentically human and whole than when we are fighting against God's will in sin and ignorance. Doing the will of God helps us to live as we are created to live. This doesn't mean that following Jesus and doing his will is always going to be easy. But Jesus does promise that when we come to him and follow him, we will find rest for our souls. Finally, our scripture reading today from John chapter 6 recounted Jesus' identification of himself as the bread of life. After miraculously providing bread and fish for a huge crowd of people, the people continued to follow him. Presumably, based on Jesus's assessment, they were hoping for another free meal. But Jesus had so much more to offer. He offered his very self, the only one who can truly and eternally satisfy, who will not leave us hungry, or thirsty, or orphaned, or stuck in sin. So when we pray for our daily physical needs to be met, May we also pray with the crowds in response to Jesus when he explains this, give us this bread always. And he promises that those who seek him will find him. When we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, this request is both very simple and very profound. We ask God to meet our physical need for food and all that we need in order to live. We ask for enough, but not for excess. And deeper than all of our physical needs, we ask for Jesus himself, the bread of life and the only one who can satisfy. It's amazing that such few words can pack so much significance. Jesus does that all the time, though. I recognize that we addressed some challenging issues this morning, including access to and relationships with food. So before I am done, I want to mention that our office coordinator, Eliza, has compiled a really fantastic detailed list of community resources that are available in our church in the, in the local area. If you are struggling with food insecurity or other physical needs like housing or employment, or anything else like that, I encourage you to use the Connect card to reach out to us so that we can pray for you and also help connect you with services that might be able to help. And this also includes anyone, not only physical needs, but anyone who's struggling in their relationship with food. If you are struggling with excess in terms of consumption or restriction, please let us pray for you. And let us help you get connected with resources that can help you if you need it. You don't have to do that alone. Also, if you are blessed with abundance and you feel moved to help meet the needs of others, that list could be a really great resource to help discern where God might be calling you to provide for the needs of others. So Eliza's list, wonderful resource. Let us know if you would like to get your hands on it. (laughs) Um, I would like to conclude this message with the words that Paul shared with the Philippians when he assured them, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen.